Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. This podcast is part of the Planet Broadcasting Network. Visit planetbroadcasting.com for more podcasts from our great mates. Hey, what's up? And welcome to another episode, an exciting episode of Serious Issues, a weekly comic book podcast brought to you by King's Comics in Sydney, 310 Pitt Street, should you ever find yourself in sunny Sydney town or kingscomics.com should you ever find yourself on the sunny internet. My name is Andrew Levins. My name is Siobhan Coombs. And every, every week we re- review all of the comics that we read the previous week. <laughs> Um, and uh, every week we seem surprised that there have been a lot of comics that came out. But There's so many, and so many of them are bad. <laughs> uh, That's not true. There was a lot of good ones this week. This is a, good, uh, this is a pretty solid week. It was a good week. Um, there was a lot of comics with number ones on them. Uh, they sure were. And that is a f- convenient because we actually start every episode of Serious Issues by reviewing all of the comics that had a number one on them. Um, we call this segment First Things First. And uh, basically what this segment is about is uh, letting you know all of the new series that started last week, i.e. the comics that have a number one on them, and uh, mm-hmm. which of those you should pick up and start reading. Pretty good, good. Pretty good description. Good summation. Um, I enjoyed that. So let's kick off this edition of First Things First by uh, talking about a new image book called Flavor. Um, mm, yes, please. This is a book written by Joseph Keating, um, who previously gave us many good books. Did he do I Kill Giants? Is that Joseph Keating? No, maybe. That, that's Joseph somebody. Can I look, look, this, look this motherfucker up. Uh, Joseph Keating is an American comic book writer and editor. Mm-hmm. So he's definitely written stuff in the past. So I'm, I'm, I'm not far off with that. Uh, okay. No, he, has, he did not do... I Kill Giants. That was Joe somebody else. Um, but he did do um, the series Shutter and the series yep. Glory. And um, he has done... I loved Glory. He, he did a few issues of that. He did something else called Hell Yeah. Um, he's done Savage Dragon stuff in the past. Whoa. I, so big, important guy. I thought I recognized him as like a Spider-Man writer, but whatever. No. I'm wrong all the time, everybody. <laughs> Never listen to me. Listen to Siobhan. She's the smart one. Although she's not so much like right. She just knows when I'm wrong. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I'm also like always wrong. Um, Flavor is uh, a new series written by Joseph Keating with art by Wook Jin Clark um, and beautiful colors by Tamara Bonvillain. Um, and uh, this is a um, kind of like heightened fantasy world 
um, and it, where food is very, very prominent and important. Um, not unlike our world, except, you know, this the, the food is almost is magical in this world. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and, and it's kind of the basis of their entire society. Chefs are like these kind of superheroes. Um, and so that's the setup is uh, we see our kind of our main um, protagonist uh, racing with her dog um, to try and get these special truffles. And she's beaten there by a no good other chef who employs dirty tricks to get, in, to get ahead of her and get the truffles before she can. Um, then we learn more about this character. Um, she lives with her parents who are both um, like wheelchair bound or unable to work. And um, there, there are people coming from, sorry, someone just drove past my car, my house with Eminem songs blaring really out loud. And now, cool. now I'm just going to do an Eminem voice for the rest of the episode. <laughs> oh, wow. No, he's rapping along to it now. No way. My mics are too good. It doesn't pick up uh, background noise. But if you, uh, oh, if you live, in, live in Parramatta right now, um, I, I hope you're enjoying this as much as I am. <laughs> rendition is terrible. Um, anyway, uh, uh, our, our protagonist, can you find out what her name is? Well, I describe yes. her life. But she, uh, she is being um, researched by the government um, because the, the restaurant that her parents opened, they are, they're not fit to work in it anymore. And so uh, government officials are basically like threatening to close it down. Um, but the, the protagonist's older brother is coming to, to like kind of live with them again. Mm. So it is like... No. No? Uncle. Uncle. Sorry, my bad. Someone's brother. Also, her name is Shu, I think. X-O-O. There you go. I assume that would be Shu. Um, this was a really, really beautifully cinematic comic. Um, Very... Studio Ghibli vibes. Yeah, definitely. I mean, especially with the emphasis on beautiful food. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, it was a lot more kind of grounded than I was expecting after the quite fun and frantic uh, fantasy chase scene at the start of the comic. Um, mm-hmm. but it looks like this is going to be very much about family and dysfunction. and But also scary, like, demon ghost things beyond the wall. That, that too. That is also a, a big part of this comic. Um, there's a lot going on in this comic, everyone, and uh, it looks beautiful. And I'm I'm in. I'm all in. Absolutely, I'll be getting 100%. every issue of this, and I recommend. Uh, you know, and I know it's exciting when it, when a new cool image book comes along that's actually very good. And uh, this has this shows potential as as as, a bit, as being a really really great series. It's also one of those great Absolutely. books that you open up the cover and the and the, the you get a double page splash. The comic starts straight away, page two. There you go. Real good stuff. Absolutely. Really, really lovely. Really enjoyed this. I've got to read the first two issues, I think, in like a retailer thing. Yep. Um, and it's great. Cool. Awesome. S- super duper. Everyone get on it. <laughs> Amazing. Uh, so that's Flavor, issue number one. Highly recommended by the both of us. Uh, and we mm-hmm. move on to Marvel now. Marvel put out four comics that had number one on them this week, starting with uh, The Mighty Thor at the Gates of Valhalla, number one. This is a special written by Jason Aaron with um, art by Jen Bartel and Ramon Perez. Um, the two of them kind of contribute uh, about half of the art in this book each. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, colors on this one by Matthew Wilson. Uh, and this is a, a book celebrating um, Jane Foster as Thor, but also just Jane Foster as Jane Foster, um, as we see the, uh, the, grand, the three granddaughters of Thor, who, we'd, who, mm-hmm. who we've uh, met a few times in, throughout Jason Aaron's run, um, travel back in time 
to first they go to some other places to come face to face with um with other Thors, um, but basically they're, they're 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 traveling through time to uh, to to spend some time with their hero Jane Foster, who's who inspired so much, and we learn that her legacy continues. Um, even even further into the world um, now that she's not Thor anymore and she's going to be playing a very important part uh, in the next big Thor story, which is the War of the Realms, which is something that Jason Aaron has been setting up in his run for a long, many, many years now. We're finally yep. seeing it. Um, we have It's all kind of being led by Malekith the Accursed, the Dark Elf. Um, and uh, we see the second half of this um, special taken up with uh, more of him and his dastardly deeds as he kind of walks throughout the realms and uh, basically sets up a whole bunch of horrible things about to happen to all the other realms that he does not like. Yeah, he's not a nice man. It's not even nice if you are a dark elf. No, no, no he's mean to the dark elves too. He's no good. I don't understand what his motivation is. Yeah. Just a no good Nick. Um, but man, Ramon Perez is so great. He's such an incredible artist. I hope that he becomes a regular on Jason Aaron's Thor stuff because he's a great fit. And um, I loved Jen Bartel's uh, pages as well. Yes. They were great. This is, I mean, I think we, we, so we spent a lot of time celebrating Jason Aaron as a writer on his Thor run, but it's always had amazing um, art. Mm-hmm. And I love being surprised by like new collaborators that come on board that just immediately fit in perfectly. Absolutely. Um, so this is a great little setup of what's to come um, and also giving you a nice little capper for what a great, um, what a great Thor Jane Foster was. Um, Absolutely. Like if you have uh, for some reason not been reading Thor and listening to us go on about how great it is every single month, maybe this is a good time to like have a peep and see if it appeals to you. Yeah. Go have a peep. Have a peep. Everyone have That's a my peep. recommendation. Um, do you know peeps, um, a, a peep in, in America and maybe other parts mm. of the world is a, a gross marshmallow duck or chicken. Like, a, like a, it's like, a, have you ever seen them before? They're like I have I have heard of them. Um, your your boyfriend is them. is of the American persuasion. Um, yes. Go wake him up and say, "Hey Nate, what's a peep?" Because <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's a weird, soapy sponge, like duck sponge, <laughs> chicken sponge like, that you have at Easter. I don't think I don't think Americans understand what marshmallows are. They act like they made them, but every like American marshmallow based thing, I'm like, this is crunchy. That's not a marshmallow. Imagine if this loses us half our listenership. Like all our American fans are like, look, you know, you can insult our gun laws. You yeah. can like, you know, take <laughs> shots at our, our president and, you know, many other parts of our ways of life every episode, but leave our marshmallows alone. Never. I fight the good fight. <laughs> um, do you take make it to the White House. You, you like to bake. Do you ever make marshmallows? Mm-hmm. Um, I haven't in a while, but. Shit is fucking hard. I've, yeah. My wife. Yep, not worth the effort, frankly. My wife uh, decided it would be a cool. I, although she's just my fiance when she made this cool decision for our wedding, uh. she was like, "We'll make all of the the desserts ourselves," and um, we made like marshmallows and honeycomb. We've made honeycomb. Yeah. Fuck making honeycomb. <laughs> but it was a really delicious wedding. Yeah, it was a delicious wedding, but it was not worth the the blood. It was, but you know, at the same time, just buy yeah. buy your sweets. Yeah. You don't save it, money. Guys. That's why bakeries exist. Exactly. I love the community service announcements that this uh, that this podcast <laughs> provides. Um, we move on to Quicksilver, No Surrender, number one, which is racing out of the pages of the recent Avengers No Surrender event. 
um, in which Quicksilver, the speedster, um, sped into a like a weird speed world, um, and suddenly yeah, it's the speed force or whatever. He blinked out of existence. The speed force. Nobody knows where he is. But this comic, this miniseries, which is written by Saladin Ahmed, who recently gave us the excellent Black Bolt run and is currently giving us the Exiles series, um, wrote this one with uh, art by Eric Nguyen and colors by Rico Renzi. And uh, this is a fun little tale that, which kind of sets up um, what Ahmed's voice of uh, Quicksilver is going to be because it's all narrated by him. Um, and I really, really appreciated that. I thought it was really cool. Yeah, I think he did a great job. Um, and then uh, it's just kind of him frozen. Um, all the, the, whole, the, whole, the whole world is frozen around him and he's speeding around um, and then suddenly has to fight these creatures made of pure speed that look like him. Um, and... Uh, there's a, there's a whole lot of them in this weird frozen world. So I don't know where this series is going, um, but I'm enjoying it. I think it's cool fun. Absolutely. I don't like the colors, to be honest. I don't, I don't like the art, to be honest, but I, liked, mm. I like the, the writing. I like Salad and yeah. And I like Quicksilver. He's, he's, he's actually one of my faves. I actually don't like Quicksilver. He's <laughs> annoying and he's never allowed any character development. He's never allowed to like move on from some shit. He's always going through the exact same like annoying characters cycles i like him but he's like, i like this he's like a moody I thought he did a good job he's like a moody jerk in the same way that namor is that's why i like him yeah yeah like, namor's better but namor is better <laughs> yeah um also according to this ad- advertisement um jeff lemire is writing a century series yeah that's interesting huh yeah i thought i thought he was exclusive to dc but i'm wrong again he was like fuck that <laughs> Uh, Marvel also gave us this week Infinity Countdown, Daredevil, number one, uh, tying into the massive Infinity Countdown event. Um, I was assuming that this spin-off would not be written by the uh, Infinity Countdown writer Jerry Duggan, but it is. Um, he writes this uh, grounded, Earth-based story um, with uh, art by Chris Sprouse, Phil Noto, and Lee Ferguson, inks uh, by Scott Hanna, Carl Story, Phil Noto, and Lee Ferguson, and colors by Matt Yaki. Um, this story is all about... Um, Daredevil's longtime kind of like, you know, thug foe. Um, his name is Turk, uh, who currently has the Mind Stone, um, which he got after finding it when uh, there was a battle between some of the Sorcerer Supreme and Skrulls in New York City, and he just stole the Mind, mind Stone and is using it to become the new Kingpin of New York. What did you think? Yep. I mean, it did require quite a lot of setup from you. <laughs> But this was fine. This was fine. This was pretty good. I quite like the art. It wasn't boring. What did you think? Uh, yeah, I thought it was like it was just it was fine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> to to quote a yeah. good friend of mine, Siobhan Coombs, it was fine. Um, <laughs> but you know, I, I am really enjoying this event. I think it is cool that that Duggan was able to write a spinoff of his event. Um, yeah. Absolutely. I'm not even like, I'm not mad at it. It was just fine. Yeah, which is cool. I like Turk. Turk's cool. Mm. Turk straight up shoots a monk in the, in the head. and then I liked and, when he was dressed as um, Santa and stabs Matt Murdock. Yeah, that was rad. That was pretty good. Lots of good stuff happened to this. Yeah. So um, look, mostly fine output from Marvel this week, uh, including the next book we're about to talk about. Yep. Hunt for Wolverine continues with another number one, uh, The Claws of a Killer. We've talked about how ridiculous it is to launch four miniseries to hunt for Wolverine, but that's what they're doing and we can't stop them. Uh, Mariko Tamaki and- is writing this one. 
with, with pencils by Butch Geis, inks by Cam Smith, and colors by Dan Brown. Tell us what happened in this one. I can't even remember. Um, oh, man. Okay. Good Lord. Yeah, you don't know either. <laughs> <laughs> I read it. But what the fuck happened in this? Oh, my God. Too much. Too much happened. It's like Lady Deathstrike and Sabretooth come to find Dakin. This is where I start understanding what's going on. But before that, I'm like, there's some kind of Wolverine. Is Wolverine in, like, savage mode, but he's learned how to wear pants or something? Yeah, so this is like a zombie book. Yeah, yeah. Okay, there we go. Um, so it's, it's yeah, it's Sabretooth, Lady Deathstrike, and Dakin versus zombies. Which is not what I was expecting and not what I would get Mariko Tamaki to write. But No. <laughs> you know, gifted character writer Mariko Tamaki, who is great ex- exploring the emotional spectrum of some of the quieter superheroes in the world. Let's get her to write a zombie book. This will be great. I mean, why not? Look, I do like Butch Guys. Yeah, the art on this is this wonderful. Is, it's much better than the Greg Land cover suggests. Yeah, that goes without saying though. Um, so yeah, we, we we kind of reviewed all of the Marvel books uh, in like descending order of goodness. But I have one more. Oh, what? I have one more that I read. What was the last one? Um, X Men Wedding Special. Oh Jesus! I didn't get this one. Yeah. Um, so it's three tales of mutant matrimony in the making. <laughs> nice. Good alliteration. With a really terrible J Scott Campbell cover. Yeah, it's, it's a bad, not good. At least Greg Land didn't do it. Yeah, well, but it's not much better. <laughs> and there's got three stories, one by Chris Claremont and Todd Nork, Nauk. Uh-huh. And it's like a very sort of dated Kitty Pride, like 101. Right. Kitty Pride 101 is she's like reminiscing before her wedding. Reminding everyone who Kitty goes- Pride is before she throws her life away yeah. to weddings. <laughs> exactly. And then she goes and dresses like... Um, I don't know, like a like a sexy barmaid. Right. And goes and works in a bar. Also, she works in a bar as well. <laughs> Decide on an age that Kitty Pride is and stick with it. <laughs> and did you know, did you know that Kitty Pride went to the past and married a man and then he died in the war? What? <laughs> and then she came. <laughs> like, that, name... that's previous X, X-Men lore or is this just what yeah, happened in this Yeah, apparently issue? that's real. His name is Alistair. Alistair. Like his, like two names. His name is Alice Dare. <laughs> no, but it's Alistair, but spelt with a D H. Okay. Oh, cool. Yeah, I was trying to communicate that. Anyway, that was really bad. What and is then Colossus? The next story. Do? The next story is Colossus going. It's illustrated by Greg Land. Excellent. And it's the boys hit Vegas. So it's Colossus and Gambit and Nightcrawler and Iceman and Pyro. And they go to Vegas, and then there's an alien working in the casino, and then they fight everyone, and Colossus is sexually repressed, and that <laughs> kind of stuff. And then the final story then, is them actually getting married? <laughs> no, the final story is um, Kelly Thompson, great, and Marika Cresta, and it's Kitty Pride's bachelorette party, where she goes to stripper karaoke with <laughs> the girls. Excellent. And it was actually pretty fun. <laughs> <laughs> well, why are they stringing out Kelly this Thompson's wedding that great. no one really cares about out so much? 
Because they've got nothing else going on in X-Men. Everything so in X-Men so bad. Except for X-Men Red, which is okay. Yeah, well, more on that later. That. <clears throat> um, Colossus mm. was uh, one of the main, st- main heroes in the recently released Deadpool 2 movie. Did you see that? I saw that last night. What did you think? I thought it was fine. I thought it was fucking terrible. I hated it. Yeah. I can't believe... Were, like... <laughs> like, like for, for a movie that is, like, an, a character that is like, oh, my God, Deadpool's so subversive. What's he going to subvert next? And, like, you know, mm. there's a... Like, it's all about how, like, oh, you didn't expect this to happen in a superhero movie, but... Yeah. The whole thing is based around the most boring superhero trope of all... And that is killing Getting the team together. No, no. It's <laughs> killing the girlfriend to motivate the hero. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And they fridged her mad early. Not only, not only do they, not only do they like, is that Deadpool's motivation? But then it's also Cable's motivation, which has never been was, a part of Cable's character in the comics. Cable is also motivated by his wife and daughter dying. Yeah, which is like, and Nate then tried to explain to me who Cable actually was after the movie, and I was like, oh, God, that's so fucking complicated. X-Men. God. Um, I can see why they changed it. But I, I genuinely, the fridging was so obvious in the beginning that I genuinely thought that they were going to reference it because they make a couple of, like, comic book references through it. I genuinely was like, oh, this is, like, an accepted enough thing that now they're going to make fun of the fact that they did that and bring her back in, like, five minutes, and then they didn't. I was like, oh. Yeah. Oh, this is the real movie. It's especially And then none funny. of the jokes were funny. Oh, yeah, I know. Like, I, and I, I thought that the first movie was kind of funny and charming. Um, I liked the first one. Yeah, and this one I just thought was just all over the place thematically and as a story. There were moments of like, you know, there were references that I was like, oh, that's fun, I guess. But the fridging, I couldn't get over it. And especially no. like like Gail Simone coined the term fridging and also yeah. wrote Deadpool comics. How do you not yeah. know? Like the, the, the writers of the movie got interviewed about it and they were like, we didn't know what fridging was and we're sorry. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty funny. I love the idea uh, of like them being them being asked about fridging and then like them going like, "Oh, what's fridging? Is that when you like get in a fridge and and and, and, and cruise down a sand dune?" <laughs> Why would anyone think that? I don't know. Is that an established? <laughs> the Deadpool thing? writers, man. Who knows what happens at a Deadpool writing retreat? Yeah, not yeah. There was not much that was. I just I really wanted to like it because of little fucking. Kiwi dude, but they didn't even. Yeah, I didn't think he was used very do well. Do him justice. You know who was great though, and like Domino, yeah, Zazie Beats, whatever her name is from Atlanta. That was like she was the best part of the whole. Give movie. her a fucking Easily. movie, like just absolutely just be in everything else. Deadpool can have She's a cameo in-, in it and be like, oh, <laughs> my butt, and then uh, yeah, then just make it, like her luck powers, which I've like literally criticized last week in a comic, saying I yeah. don't understand them. I understand them now. It was like Final Destination, except like the other way around, where it's like instead of death chasing someone, death's like trying their hardest to to avoid someone. Yeah, great. Domino's awesome. She's great. If you have to see Deadpool two, do it for Domino. But to be honest, just don't see it. Just wait until someone makes a YouTube cut of just the Domino scene. Yeah, exactly. Like it it, it fridges three women. (laughs) It uh it it has T J Miller in it. Yeah, and a stunt woman died. And he's not very good. A stunt woman died while 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 doing the domino scenes. So really, yeah, it's, no, she wasn't even a stunt woman. She's what? like a, she's just a she's like a pro racer. She was, and she died because they pushed her to do a stunt that she shouldn't have been doing. Whoa, pretty hectic. Deadpool two hates Whoa. women. Everybody. Whoa. 
I feel personally persecuted. All right, well, let's cheer you up with uh, Thank you. something that we've had and had in a long, long time in comic books. It's been, mm-hmm. I can't think of, honestly, it must have been, I don't know, like nine, eight days since the last Superman special, but we've got a new Superman special on? this week. <laughs> Hot on the heels of uh, Action Comics 1000 and then the Action Comics special shortly after it, we have Superman special number one, um, which is Escape from Dinosaur Island, which follows on a plot thread that was introduced on like issue nine or ten of uh, Peter Tomasi and Patrick Gleason's Superman run, um, in which uh, Superman and, and his son, John Kent, uh, end up on Dinosaur Island, which is where we met the losers um, during Darwin Cook's DC The New Frontier series. Um, and uh, I was really happy to actually revisit this moment, and I thought this was like, oh, yeah, that's right. I used to love this series, and this is why. Yeah, 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 this was a sweet story. I find all of the, like... Um very militaristic patriotism. Which is a, the, little bit. a bizarre theme of this series. Yeah, yeah, totally. I find that a... Yeah. But like, yeah, this this issue, I was like, well, if you're going to do that, I'm okay with it in the form of this comic. Because, you know, mm. it literally stars the sergeant of the losers being brought back to the, fu- the present, uh, Captain America style. Yeah. And there are some... It was, yeah, it was, you know, very much about, like, you know, honouring those who laid down their lives for us. Mm-hmm, but it mm-hmm. wasn't as crass as them doing the, the war memorial road trip over two issues. No. But Superman does go, I hope that someday I can be as brave as a soldier. Jesus. <laughs> but the next story was written by our boy Mark Russell with art by Brian Hitch, which I actually really liked. Mark Russell so doing very, very, the story. very simplified Superman, like really just getting to the heart of what makes a Superman yeah. story work. And not, I, I, I keep expecting it to, to you know, be a little bit, have, have a twist or whatever. And then it, does, it doesn't come. It's just it's like this very straightforward, simple Superman story. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, my favorite part of this was the final story, which is written by Ian Flynn, Archie Comics' uh, Ian, Ian Flynn, with art by Carr Andrews, Kyle Carr Andrews. He draws My Kind of Superman. Oh, so good. So Such a big square jaw. Um, and this was about um, Superman and Maggie Sawyer um, like observing uh, the ex-criminal... What's his name again? The Atomic Head, whatever. Skull. The Atomic, the atomic Skull. The Atomic Skull, um, who is trying to like break, break good and uh, work on the um, Metropolis police force. And it was really, really sweet and cool, and um, and and I, that was like, this, I, I want I want these guys to do a, a Superman series now, in yeah, with this yeah. art style, which was yep. so unlike anything you see on a DC book with Superman in it. Like Patrick Gleason is the furthest you get away from the DC house style when it comes to um, Jorge Jimenez. Those mm-hmm. like you know you pretty much only get very very DC house style when it comes to Superman stories. And it was so cool just seeing this very stylized, fun, um, action-packed kind of colorful artwork. Yeah. Absolutely. So of the three massive uh, Superman specials we've gotten recently, this is by far my favorite. Yeah, this was good fun. Yeah. I've actually, like, the last two specials, I've quite enjoyed. Yeah. I like, I think Superman works well in, like, a short story. Sure. Totally. Just not when there's like 10 bad <laughs> ones, like in Action Comics 1000. Agreed. Um, the final DC number one book that I read this week was New Challenges number one. 
Um, yep. This is uh, the latest in the uh, new Age of Heroes line that DC started earlier in the year that keeps continuing, uh, in which they place emphasis on the artist first, and in which case we have um, Andy Cubitt doing pencils um, on, on, uh, on this one with Klaus Janssen inking him. Um, Colours by Brad Anderson, and then this has been written by Scott Snyder and one of Scott Snyder's uh, protégés who we saw do that three-part series, Batman The Signal or whatever it was, which was like the Duke oh. the Duke miniseries. Um, Ar- yeah. Aaron Gillespie. I think that's who did that. But uh, this is uh, okay. those two writers teaming up for this. Um, and uh, this reminded me a lot of that Dial E for... What was that DC book? Dial H for Hero. Dial H for Hero, that's right. I was like trying to think of a word that started with E that meant hero. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, new, new challenges. Um, basically, uh, four, four random people um, are, find themselves in a situation in which they die. And uh, just as they die, they're yanked from reality and taken to this place uh, where they are told by a mysterious stranger that they are now the new challenges. And so initially it is... Uh, um, three dudes and a, and a girl um, who have, you know, drastically different um, jobs and, and uh, outlooks on life uh, that are brought together and, and told that they're going to become these, what are they, like, protectors of reality or some shit? Some shit like that. Um, and uh, one of them is a cop and he refuses uh, to be, to you know, to, to listen to this crazy stranger that's telling him his new life and... Mm-hmm. Uh, leaves this weird void that they're part of and then become like kind of melts and then suddenly at the end uh we get another girl so this is two two guys two girls making up this new team of new challenges um and i kind of liked it i thought it was pretty good yeah i liked this way more than i thought i was going to i was like ah fucking andy cubit and scott snyder blah but then this was actually pretty good and like set up some fun mysteries and kind of modernized the challenges in like a pretty engaging way and there was a cool bit where they were at the edge of the world and there were some giant crabs and yeah it's good and uh yeah they, it also tied into um dark knight's metal better than all the other new age of heroes books have probably because yes. snyder wrote both of them mm, true yeah so those are the dc number ones are you gonna continue with this one i think i will i'll give it one more yeah cool um, now we move over to some other number ones that we read this week, um, including, I'm just going to go ahead and say it, my favorite comic of the week, and that is The Return of Ether, um, yes. the second volume of uh, Ether, written by Matt Kent with art by David Rubin. Um, number one coming out through Dark Horse Comics this week. Uh, this is Ether, the Copper Golems. Do you say Golem or Golem? Uh, Golem. 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 Mm, I don't know. <laughs> You, you have to be the one that's right. <laughs> um, this had a great variant cover by Paul Pope as well. Ooh, did you get that? Uh, no, but it's, uh, I saw uh. it somewhere online. It was really cool. Uh. Uh, but if you, for those of you that can't remember, Ether was a series that we loved last year um, in which um, a man whose name is Boone, Agent Boone even, uh, who basically travels to this place which is called the Ether, which is this crazy fantasy place where owl rules don't mean bupkis because there's like a, a, a monkey that, that like let, greets you as you enter the ether and like just shit is crazy in the ether. There are monsters and magic and all kinds Fairies. of wild fantasy stuff. Um, yeah. And um, basically Boone is a, a man from Earth who is able to travel between um, the ether and, um, and, and, and Earth. Um, and time when you are in the ether 
um, you know, you'll only be in there for a short while, but then you, when you return, many more years have passed on our earth, which is something that Matt Kent's friend and sometime collaborator Jeff Lemire is exploring in the uh, Black Hammer Doctor Star um, mm-hmm, spin-off mm-hmm. miniseries at the moment. Um, and uh, while that deals with um, like the death of uh, of the hero's son, or like the the dying son of, of 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 the hero in that in that series, this in two pages managed to punch me in the guts so much harder than that series, which I love. And you know, Jeff Lemire mm. is the king of sadness. Uh, basically, Boone. This opens with um, Boone being interviewed by the government agency that employs him he actually when he's when he lives on earth he only reason he returns to earth from the ether is because he can't eat food in the ether he has to eat earth earth food so he returns to to earth to steal food and he lives as a hobo um and uh, he gets arrested and uh he is saved by an agent from the uh, agency that he, he works for um and uh she starts saying you know like you know it's clearly that you that you don't care about your family like she said, um, and, and that like, you know, exploring the ether is way more important to you than anything that you might have on this earth. Um, and then he says like, how do you know, how do you know that you, you don't know me? Who are you to say that? And then she reveals that she's his daughter mm. and, uh, the months, the months that he spent in the ether were an entire lifetime for her. And like, just, he just had, then cuts to him with just this like wide eyed shock, this stunned look on his face. And the whole reason that she spent her entire life, this is only, this is like the first three pages of this, of this comic. Um, yeah. The, the, the only reason she signed up for this agency job was so she could be the person to welcome him back to earth mm. and, and be a part of his life somehow. Yeah, I thought it was really sweet, and I thought it gave him, like, sweet closure, and I, I like that it wasn't, like, this sort of, like, it was emotional, but it wasn't, like, super negative. Yeah, because there is you that, know like, I mean? you know, like, if you are the only he- hero that can do the things you can do, your family has to sometimes maybe understand that. And, like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and uh, it, it was not, because we never see that. We always see, like... The superhero being told, you know, like you're neglecting your family, yeah. and it was, I don't know if nice is the right word, but it was interesting to see it kind of being like, you know, weighing up the good that you mm-hmm. can do as a hero versus being with your family. I mean, I, mm-hmm. I don't know what the hell I would choose, but um, if I had crazy ether powers, <laughs> oh, I'm too sleepy for that sort of thing. Right. So you would pick your family. Yeah. Boring. Boring. <laughs> but yeah, Ether. It was such a brilliant return to this series. Yeah. Um, I didn't, so great. I didn't even get into the adventures that he actually has when he leaves Earth and visits the Ether. But um, the whole time I was reading it, I was like, man, this would make such a great video game. I'm, play- I'm playing God of War at the moment. You, should, you, guys should, you guys should get God of War. It's awesome. It's all about... Is it good? Yeah, it's like, um, uh, like all about Norse mythology and like... Um, oh, yeah. Yeah, it's... It's it's extremely fun if you if your knowledge of Norse mythology is limited to Thor comics, you can still get a lot out of it. <laughs> nice, nice. It's a really good series. But yeah, I, I would this would make it this 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 comic book series would make an incredible um, adventure video game. Someone make it, please. That'd be great fun. But you have to keep the color palette yes. exactly the same. Yeah, we'll just get David Rubin as like the the kind of artist on just animate his all his stuff. Yep, that'd be real fun. Um, Agreed. So now we move on to what could be, um, she doesn't even know it exists yet, but I'm going to guess it's probably Siobhan's least favorite serious issues segment of all time. This is uh, the, the, the Garth Ennis double up. 
Oh, God. There were two? I read one, and I was like... I'm the best. Look at how selfless I'm being. <laughs> Garth Ennis wrote two number ones that came out this week. Uh, the first of which came out through Aftershock Comics um, and was called A Walk Through Hell, featuring uh, Goran Suzuka on art, who I know from Why the Last Man. Mm-hmm. He did that, the, the off issues of that, of that series. Um, and uh, also featured um, Ive Sforgina on Colours. Um, and uh, you know what, Siobhan, since you're feeling in a selfless mood, why don't you tell us what this comic was about? Police having inscrutable conversations. <laughs> FBI? CIA? Something, something. Whatever. We don't care about the reader. So this, this... Oh, and then they go to a scary, a scary warehouse, and the people that go into the scary warehouse come out, and then they're so spooked that they shoot each other in the heads. This book and tried to do a lot. And more people go into the spooky warehouse. It's, it opens and with like... I think they're going to get fucked up. It opens with like bawdy Garth Ennis comedy. And yeah. then suddenly a, a public shooting. Um, yeah. Which is extremely heavy. And then... Yeah. Then, uh, yeah, a police buddy comedy um, with lots of references to social media and all the current problems of our society today. And then at the end, it's suddenly a horror book. So I guess this is a new horror series that uh, Garth Ennis is doing oh, for Aftershock. And that shooting at the beginning was so awful. Yeah. So horrible. Yep. Mm, yeah. Yeah. That kind of immediately made me like, ah. Yeah. He's done it again. I don't want this. Ah, <laughs> uh, so. Ah, you've made me disgusted. If you are a Garth Ennis fan, it's probably something you can find to enjoy. And this is definitely different to anything that I've seen him do before. Not in the, like, weirdo comedy and then suddenly something super violent and, and, and upsetting on the next page he mm. does that a lot but a horror book by him I guess you could consider crossed a horror but uh, this is this is horror in, in a way that I've never definitely seen definitely horrifying yeah. the second Garth Ennis book um, was uh, World of Tanks Citadel through Dark Horse holy moly um, yeah I'm guessing you didn't read this um, Garth Ennis with PJ you Holden and Michael Atia. I don't love tanks, but I do sometimes enjoy Garth Ennis doing a war story. Um, mm-hmm, he he mm-hmm. tends to do them a lot, and he's very good at them. Um, but uh, in this instance, uh, War of Tanks is a video game franchise, and I think by tying into a video game franchise, it allows him to work with a better caliber artist that his extremely low-budget war books usually can afford. So it mm-hmm. looked excellent with some brilliant, brilliant tanks. If, if, you, love, if you love a well-drawn tank... Citadel's the book for you. But this is, um, yeah, set in, uh, like, in the middle of World War II. um, And this is uh, about uh, the Russians um, as they kind of, like, uh, prepare themselves for a long few years of of holding one of the East, holding the the Eastern Front. And uh, this was another bawdy Garth Ennis comedy set in World War II in Russia with tanks in which some of the troops go see hookers but are, like, forced to use the same hooker at once. <coughs> and, like, yeah. I don't, the war what? stuff is great, but then you have these, what? like, dumb comedy moments that I, I don't understand who they're for. Oh, God. That Punisher Max, the platoon, is that what it was we read? Yeah, I, I I just longed for that again. I, I was hoping that I would get a hit, another hit of that. <laughs> you were like, I just want something really grim. I, like he does it really well. I know it's. He I does. know it seems like a weird thing to want, but it, he does it very well, and I enjoyed it. Uh, but mm. I did not enjoy this. 
So, unfortunately, both of Garth's uh, comics this week I will be giving a skip. Good call. Um, so now, Siobhan, we play a game called Roll the Dice um, mm-hmm. for Marvel, Image, or DC. Uh, and I have to go back to the old school dice because we're recording analog. in our homes. Yeah, our analog dice. <laughs> our die. Um, and so one is Marvel, two is Image, three is DC. Uh, so I rolled a five. <laughs> I forgot. I'm, I'm so accustomed to the ways of uh, our three-sided die that Brad made for us that I forgot that this has six. A regular die has six. Archie, my son, got a 20-sided die from a, uh, a vending machine the other day. I probably should keep that away from this podcast. Um, Hang on. I missed all do, of that. Oh, no. <coughs> let's just do DC, then Marvel, and Image. How about that? All right. Nice. <laughs> Um, so uh, I'm, I'm very excited to talk about DC with you because I'm just going <laughs> to go out here and, 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 and admit yeah. defeat. Siobhan, you were right. <laughs> I was right. This Booster Gold arc of Tom King's Batman Come series on. is fucking terrible. <laughs> that was the grimmest ending to a Batman comic of all time. A Batman comic that ends with Bruce Wayne shooting himself in the head while Booster Gold watches him. And mm. apparently he's been in a loop in which this happens all the time. And now yeah. Booster Gold can't get the blood off his goggles or thinks there's blood. Like, why? Like like fucking um, Lady Macbeth this is, <laughs> washing her hands in the sink. Yeah. Like, man. This, this was ridiculous. <laughs> I feel very vindicated. Yeah, you earned this. Because <laughs> this was also like, un- like it was unpleasant to read. It wasn't even like, oh wow, that was like so controversial. But it like made me have feelings. It just made me like, I don't know, I did not enjoy any of that. Yeah, like Al- Alt- Bruce, <sighs> Alternate- Bruce walking out of the cinema, going, "God, forgive me," and pretending to punch people. Like it's just the least subtle, like. Blah, yeah. Blah, blah, blah. Alternate timelines. Alternate timelines are such an important part of comics, and I feel like you know, we see. In fact, we're going to talk about um, all new Wolverine um, very soon, which do- delved into the future. Which I think you could compare mm-hmm. this to this miniseries, and mm-hmm. like, this didn't really have fun with the world that that we were in. This world in which Booster Gold has saved Bruce Wayne's parents, and instead led to the creation of a very evil Batman that shoots people. This was just like. Like I feel like you. I, th- I, I think you may have suggested this in the past, but like Tom King kind of comes up with like a message for his story and then writes a story mm. after it. Yeah, it feels like that sometimes. Yeah, and I'm, I'm just kind of I'm a bit over his like style. I wish I had the words to describe it. I'm not. It's very. I'm very tired. Every but every comic is about PTSD. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it really is. And I'm not saying that, like, superheroes wouldn't have PTSD, but also superheroes aren't fucking real, man. It's like, it doesn't all have to be so doom and gloom. Is Booster just going to be, like, a terrifying sociopath now? I'm like, sure everyone will ignore this comic guy? forever. Like, no one, no one wants that, that, that version of Booster Gold in their comics. A Booster Gold that is frantically trying to wash the blood off his visor. <laughs> Also, like, like, this version was just, uh, like, like beyond stupid. Even at, like, the height of, like, him being in a world that was fucked up because of him, he never stops being this, like, really annoying Deadpool-esque goof. Yeah, like, yeah, that's yeah. That's not what Booster Gold is. And also, not funny. Yeah. Like, 
Not a funny, not a funny booster. I I laughed a lot during this comic, but only because of how fucking ridiculously Tom King it was. Yeah, like real over the top, and just like I don't know. I feel like taking the DC universe back ten <laughs> years into like some stupid ultra grim, like ultra like mm, serious realistic version of itself. Just chill out. Chill out. Yeah. Chill out. <laughs> a tiny bit. A tiny bit. <laughs> Siobhan is holding up to the camera uh, the image of uh, of Bruce Wayne shooting himself in the head reflected in the now never blood-free visor of Booster Gold. Although I do have to say, Tony Daniel, who did the art on this issue, did a great job of Booster Gold's hair in that in that panel, that page. His hair looks great. True. Absolutely. Um, so I, I, I award agree. this dumbest panel of 2018 um, yeah. an, an, early, an early winner. Um, yeah, absolutely. And we have uh, we have the wedding and the Joker next, which I guess is going to be the follow up story to the um, the Joker story that we saw in the DC, whatever it was called, what was that thing? Yeah, uh, DC Nation. Yeah, DC Nation number zero. Yeah, this was uh, strange. <laughs> mm, not for me, frankly. Um, the next time we're going to talk about is Injustice Two. Um, because it actually had a lot of similarities to this Batman issue in that mm-hmm. it revolved around Batman um, and uh, Batman's immediate family, so Alfred and Catwoman, um, and it also had Booster Gold in it, um, mm. but it was just everything done right. And even though this is mm. in a completely different version of the DC Universe that ties into a video game, this series, every time I read it, I just wish this was regular continuity. Like Occasionally it does get a bit darker, um, a puppy dies in this issue. <laughs> oh no! Um, but you know, this is—it is meant to be like, you know, a, a less kind of permanent universe in which our all. I guess you know, you you have to imagine that all the characters in this universe is go- are going to die at some point. Mm. Um, all the superheroes, I mean, uh, because that's you know, it kind of ties into the video game. But just all the moving parts in this. This was, in, in spite of it being such a darker world. Batman's kind of like team of heroes now, which is like Steel, Booster Gold, Black Canary, and Green Arrow, like the few heroes that are on his side. Um, nice. Like, of course, Bruce, Bruce Wayne always pushes anyone trying to help him away, but uh, mm-hmm. Black Canary refuses to listen to him and comes in at the last moment and, and saves his immediate family. And it was just a really, mm. really nice end of this like, issue that dealt with a lot of heavy stuff um, in, in which Bruce learns that he has a daughter. Um, yeah, and uh, and she's even more fucked up than Damien. Um, she's the puppy killer. Uh, oh no! Yeah, and um, it, it got really, really heavy at one point. You know, you, you, you're dealing with Catwoman being shot in this issue as well. Um, but it ends on a really light, nice note, and it just shows you know what how what a great writer tom taylor is and how great he is at juggling multiple characters in a very big mm. long story that's you know this is like five years in the making now that he he wrote most of um he does a great job on this book and so does the um the art team of bruno redondo juan Albaran, and rex locus i love injustice too and uh, every day that you are not reading it is a day wasted siobhan agreed when will i stop wasting my life <laughs> who knows um, let's talk about Justice League No Justice number two of four, written by Scott Snyder, James Tinian the fourth, and Joshua Williamson, with art by Francis Manipal and Marcus Toe, um, with colours by Hi-Fi. 
um, in which uh, Brainiac has come to Earth and uh, assembled four separate Justice League teams featuring both heroes and villains. And uh, Amanda Waller has accidentally caused Brainiac's head to explode. So she is on Earth trying to right her wrongs um, and is hunted down by Green Arrow in this issue, which I love. It's a great team. (laughs) Um, Yeah, this is just like a really goofy cosmic story featuring almost everyone that works on a similar level to why I like Injustice, the Injustice series. It just uses it uses so much of the team and and so much of the, so many different characters that don't normally interact, and uh, always keeps things fun and interesting. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two year contracts, they said, "What the f- are you talking about? You insane Hollywood ass." So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Absolutely. This was like a really fun issue. The teams are really fun, the art's really gorgeous. The mystery is pretty cool. I love Brainiac. I love the Brainiac world. Well, I reckon. It's I reckon cool that this hell. this um, might bring back this series might bring back the League of Superheroes. Legion. Legion of Superheroes. Yeah, but yeah, for sure. Do you reckon that's what it's leading to? Yeah, I reckon. Hmm. Um, you know what's weird though is there's a double page spread ad for the event yes. in the issue. I thought that was weird too. <laughs> <laughs> I've already bought it. I mean, I haven't, but... I'm already reading it. What more do you want? Yeah. Good Read Lord. it again. <laughs> Buy another one and read this. Read that while you read this. Please, Marvel put out 100 comics a week. <laughs> Buy our ones these. twice. <laughs> uh, so that was Justice League, No Justice. Still fun. Um, Still fun. Did you read any regular content, any more regular continuity DC books? I sure did. I also read Batwoman issue 15. Mm-hmm. Um, written by Marguerite Bennett with art by someone Blanco. Recently announced as being cancelled. Yeah, look. That seems fair. Fernando Blanco and John Rauch. Rauch. Whatever. Right. Wrong colours. Um, this is like just the culmination of all of the stuff that's happened in this book. Over the last two story arcs. Is this one of the last issues or... I would assume so. She explodes her, like, ship base at the end of this issue. And it feels quite final. 
I've, I, I wanted to enjoy this whole series more than I did. I don't think that Marguerite Bennett had a good handle on the character. Yeah. But the art's always been nice. I think it's hard to fuck up her, like, look. Yeah. So cool. Of course, yeah. She has one of the best costumes. Recently announced she's going to have a Lego minifigure made of her very soon. Isn't that Holy exciting? Holy shit. Better buy a set that I don't need just for that one minifigure. Don't you reckon, Siobhan? That'll be a good, be a good investment for the family. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> <laughs> um, I also read another comic book that you don't like. I read The Brave and the Bold, Batman and Wonder Woman, issue four, written and illustrated by Liam Sharp with colors by Romulo Fiado Jr. Um, and this is the, like, hilarious... Batman and Wonder Woman go into the Irish fairy realm to solve a murder. And it is continues to be that silly. But it's quite, like, it's good fun, I reckon. Should I put on some, some, like Irish, sort of some Irish folk music on for you? Yes, please. You're forgiven, not forgotten. <laughs> so beautiful. Thank you so much. Um, but yeah, Liam Sharp draws. I I really like Liam Sharp. Yeah, he's awesome. I think he does he's like great. a hilariously, like every everyone is very like pouty and sexy, including Batman. <laughs> so there's like all these like massive, boobied, Irish ladies, and then like super pretty Batman, and he does all the sort of like Celtic knot work around the panels and stuff. It's, I think it's fun. I enjoy it. Great. How many issues left of this one? Two more. Two more. Six issue mini. Um, you would hate. Do you reckon it would like it's going to overstay? Do you reckon it will overstay its welcome? No, I actually think it's being really well paced. So you don't think it will linger? Cran- cranberries don't. were Irish. Oh right, so okay. Not, it's not even an attempt at a joke. I don't even what's wrong with my brain. <laughs> <laughs> but also, isn't it sad that I recognise the cause reference and not the cranberries one? Linger is one of my. All time favorite songs. Do you know that song? Oh yeah, it's such no. a good song. I'm do you have sure to? Do you have to? Do you have to let it linger? It's beautiful. Is that how good it is? Yeah, it's it's. Sounds I mean, great. It uh, sounds amazing. Yeah. That's my new favorite song. Great, excellent. Um, <laughs> so I read a few books from DC that were not in regular continuity, including the Wildstorm <laughs> issue number thirteen. Well, we were officially past the halfway point of this series by Warren Ellis and John Davis Hunt with Steve Bucoletto. Bucoletto. Butchelato, even. Um, and while I really like what's going on here, I wish they would kind of stop introducing new characters and new elements of this story and instead just let me know what the story is going to be about in this series. No, everything's going to wrap up in like one issue at the end. Yeah, I, I, it probably <laughs> is going to happen like that. This is a 24-issue yeah. series. And um, it looks fantastic. Uh, the characters that we meet are really, really interesting and written very mm-hmm. well, you know, in mm-hmm. classic Warren Ellis snark. But I just, I have no idea what the overarching story is. It, it is. But this is something that I do really, like, want to and feel like I will buy and trade and go back and read, you know? Because yeah. it's like, it is engaging enough that I'm like, fuck, I wish I remember what this was about, <laughs> issue to issue. <laughs> Yeah, uh, it's still if if you you could view it as like a series of one shots. <laughs> I kind of have to. Yeah, um, but uh, yeah, uh, it's good fun. There's some great stuff in here, but yeah, absolutely. We're now dealing with uh, some aliens. Yeah, big wild alien plot coming up. 
Yeah. Um, over to DC's Young Animal imprint now for Cave Carson has an Interstellar Eye, issue number three, um, written by John Rivera with art by Michael Avon Oeming and Nick Filardi. Do you Did you drop this? Um, I just didn't get to it this week. I understand. It is like a bit of a hard task to set yourself up for, especially after we got yeah. two quite grounded issues um, that were linked to one of Cave Carson's old friends, this celestial kind of musician uh, dying. <laughs> I like that you said it was grounded and it was literally in space. It was about friendship, though, and it was about yeah. saying goodbye <laughs> to something. And yeah. I, it was still like this big, crazy space drama, but it was grounded. And then this is just completely let's go of that. And it's just like this insane... Uh, like cosmic, but also like like ethereal, uh, in your own head, uh, cosmic adventure. Mm. Did I say cosmic twice? I, 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 you know, I, I stick by it. Co- too cosmic. I think it's worth it. Um, but yeah, I don't, I don't. I didn't like this issue very much, and it, it wasn't necessarily doing anything different. I just, I, I did enjoy relating to Cave a bit more through him being a bit more grounded in these last two issues and then the story kind of losing itself and that was a bit of a bummer to me. Yeah, I sort of wonder if they had to kind of change plans a little bit now that the book has only got a couple more issues. Like, I sort of felt like they were building to something a little bit in the first couple of issues of the arc and now it seems to have changed quite yeah drastically. What's funny, though, is that the backup, which is called Cave Cast and has an educational podcast which is written by John Rivera with art by Paul Mabry, um, is about Cave and his daughter hosting a podcast together where Cave tells his daughter stories from the, from his past. And mm-hmm. in three pages, it's, it's just a much more enjoyable comic than the main thing to me. So more of that. Which is always a problem. More of that, please. <laughs> yes, please. Um, final DC book came out through Vertigo this week and it is Deathbed number four by Joshua Williamson, mm-hmm. Riley Rosmo and Ivan Placencia. Um, about the uh, uh, amazing old adventurer who is uh, afraid that no one will be able to tell his, t- his tale, who's hired a, a writer who hasn't lived the life that she's wanted to live um, to tell his tale. But everyone from his past is being killed. So they need to go and rescue him. Not rescue them, not, not to save their lives, but to save his story from being forgotten. And also to save his memories because he's starting to forget things. Right. Um, I am bored of this series now. I thought this was, I thought this was quite a good issue, but I understand what you mean. Like, I'm not necessarily like, oh, I desperately need to know what happens. But I thought this had quite a fun sort of um, thing of him reliving his past and seeing himself through different eyes and feeling embarrassed rather than proud of his past exploits. You I thought that was like also described issue two and three though. Mm, I think if, that's I, a good point. I think this 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 series needs a, a B plot. Mm, maybe that's what they're kind of setting up with now. Like the writers feeling bad about herself as well. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. Yeah, I, it's still enjoyable. It's still I get what you mean, it though. still looks really good. I just um after after such a cracking first couple of issues, it's now feeling a little bit like filler. Yeah, you know what the problem is? The first issue had like three willies, three big old old man dicks. Was it, well, it was the none. one dick. It was the one yeah, dick. Yeah, but it was repeated a couple of times. Yeah. Co- copy paste dick. Yes, please. Um, so that is it for our DC reviews, unless you have some secret DC books I don't know about. What are you drinking, nope. by the way? Wine. Wine, nice. Wine, wine from a Scotch tumbler. That's how she I broke does. all our wine glasses. Oh, well done. 
<laughs> um, so let's move over to Marvel now for um, another great Tom Taylor book. In fact, two Tom Taylor books in a row. Um, the first book we're going to talk about is his final issue of the all-new Wolverine. Um, issue number 35 of this series that Tom Taylor has written all 35 issues of. This one featured art by Ramon Rosanas and colors by Nolan Wooded, who I think has also done every issue of this series too. I might be wrong. This is the finale of the uh, Far Into the Future tale Old Woman Laura, in which um, a dying um, Laura, a.k.a. X-23, a.k.a. Wolverine, um, it goes on one last mission with her best friends, um, Gabby, and Captain Marvel, and Maria Hill, and um, the Wasp, and Hawkeye, and Hawkeye um, to uh, kill Doctor Doom, um, because everywhere is peaceful in the world except Latveria, and um, this was just fucking great. Really nice farewell. A really, really brilliant farewell that didn't do the trope that you were expecting this, uh, you know, it doesn't give you the ending that I was expecting from this, you know, totally. I think they're... they're the, the 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 kind of character archetype of Wolverine, no matter which actual character is Wolverine at the time, Wolverine's always so ready to lay down his life to save everybody else, and it was so nice mm-hmm, for them mm-hmm. not to just follow. Like you know, she was, but it doesn't play out the way you expect this kind of story to play out. <coughs> and for a grim story about like you know, killing someone in which many other characters die on this journey, um, it it still had fun with this new world and these older versions of the characters and. Um, yeah. It was just You can do death and serious themes without it being like bizarrely grim and heavy-handed. Shit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh wise words, Siobhan. Thank you so much. Uh, hey, anytime. Um and when uh there's a, a Laura delivers a killing blow to a to a certain character in this issue and uh, it always is great to be reminded that she has spikes that come out of her feet too. That's always a lovely thing to remember. Um, I feel like because it's always a surprise. It always is a surprise. <laughs> they, did, they did it well in the in the uh, in the Logan movie, and they did it. Yep. They did it well on this issue. Really well on this issue. Um, it's great. Yeah, uh, really, really great series. Again, like you know, we we, we, we said said as much when we uh, reviewed the last issue of uh, Jerry Duggan's Deadpool run. But now that this issue, now that this series is finished in its entirety, uh, go back and read the whole thing. This is a one of the best well worth it. Marvel books from uh, from recent times. Absolutely. And it's going to be really interesting seeing um, Mariko Tamaki's take on the character. Yeah, she's going back to being called X-23 now, and I hope they kind of give a reason for that that makes sense yeah. and feels doesn't feel cheap. But who knows? Um, X-Men Red was also written by Tom Taylor this week, uh, featuring art by Mahmoud Azra. Man, I like him. Yep, he's so good. Um, and colors He's so by good at like casual moments. Rain Barreto. Um, and uh, this uh, is a story about, um, you know, Jean Grey is back and she's assembling her team. Um, and in this one, uh, because all comic book writers love using the word nanite, uh, we mm-hmm. are introduced to a brand new kind of sentinel. It's a sentinite. <laughs> and it's a nanite that attaches itself to humans' brains and makes them automatically hate and want to kill mutants. Nice. And if a, Good job, Cassandra Nova. And if a mutant gets one on them, they want to kill themselves. Is Cassandra Nova not a mutant? I can't... But I suppose she... If they're her nanites, I'm sure she can do some kind of magic where she controls them. Yeah, and so she's going through the world selling them to uh, various leaders. Um, various bigots. <laughs> yeah. it's This is a really enjoyable kind of classic feeling 
X-Men series yeah. that still feels like new enough that it's enjoyable. Absolutely. And the, uh, the front cover of the next issue um, is Namor in all of his glory. Although, actually, no, it's in less of his glory than usual because he's been... Way less of his glory. Because he's been forced to put a shirt on. <laughs> you know what I think is an underrated part of Namor's um, costume? Is the bare thighs. We always talk about his abs, but I think it's more to do with the, like... Um, the speedos. Tiny speedos. And the little foot wings. Yeah, <clears throat> but his, his suit has... They've, they've worked the, the foot wings into the suit. Yeah, they thought of everything. I suppose that's fine. <laughs> he still looks good. He does. Um, so that is our review. Of Maybe that's all I really want with X Men comics is like thighs. Just tell the exact same. <laughs> yes, look, Colossus's thighs are really iconic. Namor's thighs are very iconic. Um, now I'm distracted, but just like the same stories but updated with different cooler artists. That's all I want. I don't want you to do new things. You with kind X-Men. of are getting that though. Like it's not like the. Yeah, but they have, like, shit artists all the time. Oh, yeah, that's true. Just keep the art team good. You're right. Um, Ed McGuinness is the artist on the Uh. current run of The Avengers, Earth's Mightiest Heroes, written by Jason Aaron with um, an Inca team of Mark Morales and Jay Leaston and colors by David Curiel on issue two of The Avengers that came out this week, um, which follows on immediately from issue one where it left off and we see um, Cap, Iron Man, and Thor... Um, join forces with Captain Marvel to try and take down um, <coughs> a, uh, a celestial uh, that we learn is being controlled by Loki. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, uh, Robbie Reyes, the Ghost Rider, um, is uh, kind of flung into a fight against some big gross bugs with uh, Jennifer Walters, a.k.a. She-Hulk. Um, I love this issue so much. It's just this nonstop action. It's, so, it's quite reminiscent of like a Kurt Busiek kind of era. Uh, mm-hmm. Avengers book in that it's just like it's just it's just a a big old fight and the teams are some of the teams are fighting one thing and the other team is fighting another thing and like you know there's a tiny glimpse of like Captain Captain sorry uh, Doctor Strange and um and Black Panther but you know you don't get much of them at all on this issue um, which is fine totally. you know because they're, they're going to show up in the next issue it's just felt like super classic but still updated like even down to the fact that Loki is the bad guy like that sort of is fun and satisfying as an Avengers first team up. Um, but I loved like the way he writes She-Hulk. That was super fun. And I love his Robbie Reyes. I think he does like an amazing job. And I think that like, I love Robbie Reyes as a character and I love Ed McGuinness. Like drawing him. Yeah. That's my favorite character that Ed McGuinness draws in this. Oh, actually no, his Hulk is so good. What, yeah. What do you think of Jason Aaron writing She-Hulk's dialogue? Cause you know, She-Hulk has always been, you know, the lawyer who is green. Um, so able to mm-hmm. talk with the full uh, use of her brain, but now that she is She-Hulk, she kind of avoided being She-Hulk for so long that when she returns to her Hulk form, she speaks in the same way that we expect Bruce Banner's Hulk to talk, like you know, Hulk smash, puny thing, blah blah blah. But she's like—I would say she's like a little bit more articulate. Like, sure. <laughs> <laughs> She says, but splitting hairs, I suppose. Yeah. I like it. I like the savage She-Hulk. She says, you, you not cool. Hulk, that mean you enemy. Yes. She's a, Look, she's that, was very, that was very articulate. For Tarzan, sure, but... She also goes, Hulk from Brooklyn. That was good. <laughs> 
But I love, uh, okay, I love the um, sort of Ghost Rider taking on the slightly Spider-Man role on the team of the kid who's like, why am I here? Yes. And so I loved his, like, he's being really quippy and then his thought bubble's like, I hate my life with five exclamation marks. I thought that was really funny and great. Good. I love Excellent. it. At one point on one I of the want. panels, uh, Ed McGuinness drew Ghost Rider in his car um, biting the steering wheel as he drives it towards yeah. She-Hulk. So great. Like, so fun. I know that this is like, you know, again, you know, this is pretty far from the Marvel House style that you see on their Avengers books for the most part, but it's so good. Like, the, there's a scene so where good. when Hulk, when She Hulk hulks out, and there's a brilliant panel of her shoe exploding mm-hmm. as she as, yes. as she gets bigger. So great, so much fun, so much fun. Um, so yeah, I I, I really enjoyed this. Uh, this is a really, really fun, fun Avengers book that isn't doing anything necessarily new, but it is doing mm-hmm. what it is doing very well. Absolutely. Really great. Um, did you catch up on Captain America or have you dropped off? I, I read this issue. I didn't catch up on the last one, but I did read this issue. So this is set far in the future as we follow the, um, the troubles of uh, one of the descendants of Steve Rogers. This is written by Mark Wade, with most of the art by, done by Leonardo Romero, but we have guest artists Howard Chaikin and Rod Reyes. Uh, doing oh, Jaken. Jaken himself. Jaken always shows up for a, uh, a Captain America special. Um, always such a horrifying surprise. <laughs> <laughs> Why are their faces like that? <laughs> um, we also had colors on this by Jordi Belair, Rod Reyes, and Jesus Abertov. Um, but uh, yeah, the most part of this is the descendants of Steve Rogers trying to find a cure for his son who, um, in a world where everyone is given a little bit of uh, Steve Rogers' uh, super soldier serum, um, he, he, his, uh, his body is rejecting it. Um, and then uh, this man, Joe Rogers, the descendant of Steve, uh, finds out that there is a bigger conspiracy that is being led by the Kree to uh, breed an army of, of, of Earth people to do, fight their battles. And uh, he's trying to uncover it to the world, but also running for his life. And we see these great little guest artists drawn glimpses into parts from uh, Captain America's past. And there's an incredible twisteroo at the end of this issue, um, mm. in which uh, uh, a, a cosmic cube is break is broken with the expectation that Captain America is about to jump out, but it ain't Cap. And sure isn't. And who who jumps out will will shock you. Yes, Prince Harry. <laughs> so topical. Yeah, God help anyone um, listening to this in like July. Doing yeah. catch, playing catch up. Captain America's already a Nazi again. <laughs> um, I found this like I really like Leonardo Romero, but this is pretty. I found this pretty boring. Oh, really? Pretty boring. I love this. Do you like it? No, I really, no. really like like this. I think this is, this is a great story for Mark Wade to end his run on. I think I actually enjoy it more than everything he did with Sumney on on the Cap book this year. Except for the Craven issue. The Craven, that was great. yeah, that, that goes without saying. Craven's the best. Um, Daredevil issue 602 Still reading this series um, In which uh, Daredevil <laughs> is now The mayor of New York City uh, I keep reading because um, It's Charles Soule doing a pretty good job um, Now that he's doing like more legality stuff again he, that's, yeah. that's what he thrives at But the artist on this now is um, Mike Henderson with colours by Matt Miller And Mike Henderson was uh, He did the art on that um, Declan Shalvey written Wolverine and Deadpool Old Man Logan and Deadpool Team up yep, book, yep. which I really liked, and he's doing great stuff on on the Daredevil book at the moment too. Really kind of like stylized and great emotive faces and stuff like that. Um, 
but yeah, it's it's kind of cool. It's, it's like Foggy's been brought on as like Matt, Mayor, Mayor Matt's uh, uh, advisor, political advisor, and all his advisors just don't don't be Daredevil. But of course, he doesn't listen. It's fun. Never listens. Never listens. It's you know it's you know the hand, him going against the hand, but in an interesting way. It's cool. Yeah, that sounds fun. Yeah, it is fun. Mayor Daredevil. They should call it Mayor Devil. Ah, they've missed a trick. How would you spell that? Like M, just M, just put an M instead of a D, D so M-A-R-E, Devil? Or No, I would M-A-Y-O-R, Devil. Okay. Mayor Devil. Mayor Devil. <laughs> okay, great. It's not good. Um, so now we move over to Image this week. And uh, I, want, I want to start off our Image reviews by talking about a comic that I'd, I'm worried that not enough people are reading. It's really, it's not a fun book to read at all. But it is an incredible book to read, and it's called Infidel. Yeah, yeah. And, not, and, and people not reading Infidel? You should be reading I, it. I don't know. Maybe you are reading it, in which case, carry on. Well done. You've made good decisions in your life, and I'm proud of you. Congratulations. Uh, but this is written by Pornsuck Pish... Pish... God damn it. I'm so bad at pronouncing your name, Pornsuck. I'm so sorry. Pornsuck yeah. Um, with art by Aaron Campbell and colors by, and also the, he's also the editor of this book, Jose Villarubia. Um, and uh, yeah, this is, this is a, a creative team that I've never read anything of uh, before, but it is uh, a horror book with really, really interesting uh, racial overtones that you do not usually associate with horror. Mm-hmm. I guess, you know, I mean, unless you talk about like Get Out or something like that last year, but this is. Um, uh, a um, a Middle Eastern um, woman has started dating uh, a white man has been welcomed by her their family into this haunted um, block of apartments and she starts seeing uh, like you know horrible visions of monsters and stuff like that that are kind of causing her to to do bad things and everyone is trying to you know not say racist shit about her actions but also you know the world we live mm-hmm, in it's mm-hmm. it, yeah quite racist it's yeah it's it's really really interesting i'm definitely not doing it justice in my description of it no but this is i tread carefully on eggshells to describe (laughs) this book but no but it is like a gorgeously illustrated sort of contemporary socially relevant horror comic which like horror comic well horror stories often reflect things that we're afraid of um in this time and this is sort of very um, relevant and it's interesting and scary and really brilliant. I really love it. Yeah. So someone is dead because of uh, the visions that our main character has seen. Um, and in this issue which in which our main character is bedridden for the entirety of it, doesn't say a word, um, people are just kind of sus- like just accepting that she she did what she did in cold blood because... You know of the assumptions we make of of certain kinds of people, mm-hmm. um, and oh yeah, I just I, I this is a, a really really you know eye opening and just a, a real bummer to read, but very very interesting, and I think should be read by anyone interested in a uh, you know more politically relevant uh, horror story. Absolutely, if you liked um, Get Out, check it out. Yeah, check it out. Uh, it's called Infidel. It's really good. Cut through image, and this issue was uh, was probably the best yet. I loved the opener, in which we kind of go into our main character's past with this different art style. Yeah. To represent her as a child, and the art is crazy. Like the scary demons are so, like horrifyingly gorgeously illustrated. It's amazing. Yep. 
and they like there is a character, the two characters are kind of investigating. Mm-hmm. I love that part of it mm. too. There, there are moments of slight confusion because it is trying to tell different stories and timelines throughout this issue, but it's 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 done very very Absolutely well. Absolutely agreed. Um, another very great uh, horror book, uh, but not in the, in the way you come to expect a horror book to be, uh, coming out through Image right now is called Gideon Falls. Um, written by Jeff Lemire with art by Andrea Sorrentino and Dave Stewart. Um, we got oh Greg Smallwood. I got the Greg Smallwood. Greg Smallwood. Cover. Mm, very nice. Yeah, me too. God, it's a brilliant one. Um, and uh, this is a story about a man who is presumed uh, to be crazy by his uh, therapist that he's seeing, uh, who has an obsession with collecting certain parts of rubbish mm-hmm. um, and trying to build something that only he can see in his mind, which is a black barn. Uh, meanwhile, we have uh, a, a newly recruited priest come to this small town of Gideon Falls um, and uh, immediately become uh, a suspect in a murder case. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's all these weird, unexplained parts of this town, um, which is a very, you know, small knit, so a small, close knit town um, in America. And uh, as uh, different characters see different things and other characters seek answers, it it feels smaller and smaller. Mm -hmm. And a real sense of dread as as we start to learn what, what this weird thing is all about. Absolutely. Yeah. I really uh, enjoy it. Andre Sorrentini is doing some like really interesting things in terms of how he lays out the pages and different parts and different colors and it's good fun. It really adds to the the kind of creepy vibe mm. that you know that, that sense of dread that something is about to be revealed that is going to be really unsettling. Absolutely. Um, yeah, this is a an excellent series. Really, really enjoyable. There's some really great horror comics out at the moment. Yeah, and Image are pretty much putting out all of them. Yep. <laughs> Um, Dry County gave us its third issue this week. This is the one written by Rich Tommaso. Um, and this is a, a Lou Rossi comic, which is, I guess, a new character that he's going to hopefully return to mm-hmm. for these strange kind of 90s era detective mm-hmm, stories. Mm-hmm. Um, Lou Rossi is a, um aspiring cartoonist who draws cartoons that no one likes for a newspaper, but also has to like review movies to pay the bills. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, the girl of his dreams has been potentially kidnapped and so he's trying to do some detective work on the side while trying to you know do all the work that he needs to do and pay his bills so enjoyable Um, and no one in his life is on his side (laughs) um and he gets tips from very strange sources and there is a a large sense of insanity Mm -hmm. um just like weird things happening in this world um the art style is very reminiscent of daniel clowes and the writing style um, while not being, I'm in no way accusing it of being too similar. I'm just saying there is a similar vibe to Dan Clowes's uh, Like a Velvet Glove Cast in Iron yeah. um, graphic novel in which it is this character kind of, you know, bumbling his way through this insane world of shit that keeps happening to him. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. An excellent narration um, by him as well. First person narration in this is, is done really well, well like a, almost like a diary entry. Absolutely, on lined um, paper and everything. I really, I really yeah. enjoy how different everything Rich Tommaso does is, and I think he nails all these really sort of varied tones. Um, mm. It's very enjoyable. Of course, of course, he's given us uh, Spy Seal and um, She Wolf and uh, Dark Corridor mm-hmm. in the past, uh, and we recommend all of them. I sure do. The good stuff. Also, this uh, this comment made me want to go listen to the B fifty twos. It's nice. 
Um, Barrier, issue number three, came out too. A lot of threes this week. Um, this is the, uh, the comic that's being uh, released for the first time in print um, each week through Image, uh, written by Brian K. Vaughan, Marcos Martin, and Munza Vincente on art. Um, and this is a, uh, an alien uh, story from the point of view of a farm owner in Texas and an illegal immigrant um, who have been abducted by aliens and uh, struggling to communicate with each other. Um, and the block of this issue was uh, silent. I only just realized that as I was flicking through. But yeah, well, that's how good the, the, the language yeah. of, uh, of, of this comic is. You don't, it doesn't need words to communicate what, uh, what the story is about and what the characters' motivations are. Yeah, so good. Holy moly, Marcus Martin is so good. Yeah. Um, I'm doing a bad job of reviewing because I'm just saying that it's really good. But I, like... The colors are amazing. The paid panel layouts are so great. I love the format. Guys. You said a lot of comics were bad this week, Siobhan, at the start of the episode. Did I? I'm gonna have to, we're going to have to disagree with you. It's mostly good this week. Yeah, I agree. Um, final image Idiot. book that I read. Final image book that I read uh, this week was The Wicked and the Divine, issue number 36, written by Kieran Gillen with art by Jamie McKelvey, colors by Matt Wilson. Letters by Clayton Cowles. Um, and uh, this was uh, another almost silent uh, for, the, for half an issue uh, in which we travel through time and see the end of two particular gods um, that I, I don't know if you, if you, if you know that this story is all about. Uh, every 90 years, this cycle um, of 12 gods returning as young people in the world who are loved and then hated and then in two years they all die um and at the moment we are seeing um uh the 2010 iteration 2015 or i think it's set um of uh of pop stars um who are also gods and also at war with each other and we learn horrible secrets every issue but this featured this incredible montage of the same scene happening again and mm. again every 90 years from it started in uh, the river night. So the upper Nile in three, 3,862 BC and over the course of God, 46, 56, just shy of 60 panels. We caught up to 2014 wow. of the same, the same one panel per, every 90 years wow. it was really really great um as like the costumes change but the character models stay the same um and the violence stays the same as well um i feel like we have like we are just catapulting towards the end of the series and every issue is so full of emotion and action and betrayal and fuck i don't know how this is going to end but i guess in death how, how <laughs> many issues does that have left I'm not sure. I, I'm sure it's going to maybe 42 or something like that. But this is just wonderful. And uh, this will be an, an incredible weekend of binge reading for those of you that have not read this series. Yeah, I am looking forward to that. But I, I do. It, this is almost like a... like Reminds me of when I used to watch Buffy in high school. <laughs> and that, that, wow. that final series. That final series of Buffy where it was just like working up to the, 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 the big end. Mm. And, you know, you didn't know if Buffy was going to make it or not. And uh, every every episode was just so like world ending and, mm-hmm, and insane. Mm-hmm. And this reminds me of that. It, it, I like that I'm reading this serialized. Mm, that's fun. Did you re- did you read any other image books? Nope, that was it. That was it. 
Um, so now we move over to other publishers, and this is one of the great weeks in which three of our favorite books um, come out, one after the other, and then we'll start this review with Fence. Issue number six, written by C.S. Picat, who was uh, a guest at King's Comics last week yeah. uh, in a, in a Q- Q&A session that Siobhan led. How did it go? It was so fun. It was really, really great. It was um, good crowd. She's, like, incredibly smart and funny and generous with her time and knowledge and I had an excellent time. It was really good fun. Yeah, that's awesome. Unreal. Um, I did not know how smutty her books were though. <laughs> smutty? Yeah, I was I was I sort of assumed because Fence is quite YA that it was also right. quite YA. No. No. Wonderful. Turns out no. Yeah. Excellent. Buy some horny books, everybody. Absolutely. Um, I would say Fence, Fence is, is quite six. horny. It is very horny, but subtle. Yeah. <laughs> um, with art by Joanna the Mad um, and um, colors by Joanna La Fuente. Uh, this is a book about um, beautiful men, beautiful young men, mm-hmm. uh, fencing, mm-hmm. trying, to, trying, trying to be the, 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 one of the few selected to be on the fencing team mm-hmm. at their very select uh, high school um, or college. Um, and it is, uh, I guess, a Western take on a sports anime, a, a sports manga, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, in which we, uh, you know, are explained in intricate detail various parts of the sport of fencing, um, but really well worked into the story. And this is mostly about the different characters and their determination, the relationships between them all, and that brilliant, um, you know, first-person narration as they work up the courage to, to be the best. Yeah. So and there good. Are just, there were so many excellent scenes. And like, this is like this arc in particular in which we see every issue is about a different fencing match mm-hmm. um, as they try and, you know, make the cut. It's just thrilling. It really it's is. so much fun. Yeah. It's so fun. And like, if you, if you like things like Yuri on Ice or Slam Dunk or things like that, the, like she's very... Um, clearly influenced by them and it's a really fun sort of queer book i would recommend this to everyone definitely it's so great um so that's fence. and it's such a good thing like uh, i found out that boom actually approached her to see if she wanted to do a book and like i think that the things that boom have done recently that have been so great um is down to the sort of really progressive editorial stuff that they have so it just shows mm-hmm. like i think that you know the Superman books would be a different place if they shook up the editorial a little bit. A hundred percent agree. Definitely. So shouts to the editors, Shannon Waters and Daphna Plebel mm-hmm. for doing a great job on Boombox books lately. Absolutely. And fence is, uh, the, the, the latest, the first trade is out. It's pretty cheap. Yeah. You should definitely read it. Definitely pick it up. Absolutely. Um, Assassinistas is another one of our favorite books at the moment, written, uh, published by Black Crown through IDW. Uh, this is written by Teeny Howard with art by the great Gilbert Hernandez um, and colors by Rob Davis. And this is like a kind of grindhousey uh, book about a team of female assassins who have now grown up and had children. And uh, there is someone who is targeting them when we find out it's because they have... Uh, these assassins, these deadly assassins have been killed by their children mm-hmm. because they have stopped being assassins because of their children. And the, yeah, and so this is about them trying to be uh, brought back into the world of being sexy assassins. It's so good. 
I love everything about this it's, book. It's just so much fun. It looks great. The dialogue's really, really funny and, and well done. Mm-hmm. And everything about this is like just, it's a perfect match. Tini Howard and Gilbert Hernandez, it's a perfect match. Who would have thought that a female writer working with Gilbert Hernandez would work so well? It's so good. It's because I feel like the women in the Hernandez brothers books are always like, they're the masters of their own destiny, you know. Like they, they they're, force all they're, the action. They're also, yeah. They're the. They're also like there are like two men in in. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> too. Like, Gilbert and Inez, I think there's I can think of two male characters. They love women. <laughs> they're obsessed with women. Women are the strongest <laughs> yep. characters in all of their books, and it's the best. I love the assassin going around with her baby and like a bulletproof little pouch on her yeah, chest, like a mailbox. So good. <laughs> So everyone looks uh, so amazing one. like the character design for carlos back in the past where he's got like a really long mullet and a big mustache so good so good um another excellent book this week uh is bloodshot salvation issue mm. number nine this is co-written um jeff lemire with ray fox uh with art by renato guedes and simon ballant um and this was a book about the history of bloodshot's dog bloodhound um, who, like, just like Bloodshot, has a military background mm-hmm. um, and was used in the First World War um, as a way of helping British soldiers. And um, it's a real tragic story. He was bred to 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 fight, basically, mm-hmm. um, but he still loved his owner. Um, and that's kind of like it shows, like you know, how important faith, you know, being faithful is to Bloodhound. Absolutely, really great. This great is issue. the only kind of war comic that I want to read. <laughs> uh, I was about to say a, a war with dogs comic. Then I remembered that Garth Ennis wrote an eight-issue war with dogs comic, which was terrible. Yeah, I did not enjoy um, that. Dark Horse this week published Usagi Yojimbo, The Hidden, issue number three of seven, written and drawn by the great Stan Sakai. Um, and this is a, a cool little seven-issue miniseries um, about the uh, Ronin bunny rabbit Usagi Yojimbo. Um, teaming up with the chief of police to uh, solve a murder of a Christian mm-hmm. in Japan. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's, you know, just classic um, Usagi antics, but it's the best. It's so fucking good. I like, I think I'm having a more violent reaction to it because this is the first Usagi comic I've read, but I'm like, ah, oh, how have I never been reading this? And I know you've been saying it for ages, but holy moly, it's so good. And it's so it, fun. It's a series that. It should be held in as high a regard as Tintin, Absolutely. in my opinion. Uh, um, well, I agreed with that very rapidly, but I cannot back that up. But it's really good. Well, the, the, like, you know, when you've, like, once you've read five Tintin stories, there's something, like, you're not really, as you read a new one, you're not really learning much new or getting much new out of it. It's just, just more this cool adventures. Really, this per- perfected familiarity. Mm. Like you don't want anything new from it. Whereas I feel the same when I read an Isagi book as well. Like he's just he knows what these characters do. You put them in, you give them a situation, mm-hmm. and uh, you just you know it's just this really comfortable read to see how they get out of this situation. Absolutely, and it's fun to read something that's like just a short, sort of sharp, plot-driven <coughs> thing in this age of sort of yeah. expansive, character-driven superhero comics. It's lovely. Definitely. Um, so Dark Horse also published through Burger Books this week the finale of the Hungry Ghosts miniseries, I did not read which this. is written by celebrity chef Anthony Bourdain and Joel Rose. This issue had uh, art by Francesco Francavilla ah. and Irene Coe. Um, this is like a basically a bunch of chefs gather 
um, to tell a bunch of Japanese ghost stories. Um, and uh, in this one, we get the Snow Woman, um, in which it's like the classic story of like a, a, a you know, a, a, a sexy ghost visiting and fucking a, a guy. And Hell he's, yeah. And swear, he's not allowed to tell anybody of their encounter. Uh, and then the second issue, second story is about um, a village who eat all of the, every single animal, like the birds, the dogs, the cats, the lizards in their, in their village. And then a man with a cow for a head comes to visit their village and they eat him too. He has a whole cow for a head or he just has the no, head no, of like a cow? No, a cow head. Right. A cow head. Um, the, the weird thing about these stories is that they just felt like exploitative isn't the word, mm, but they just felt like cover stories, cover stories, like cover song versions, yeah. like crappy dubstep versions yeah. of, uh, of, of good, uh, was it Shin- Shinigami? I don't um, know. Kind of go- Japanese ghost stories. Mm. Like just honestly, like what this should have been, Anthony Bourdain carefully selects his favorite Japanese ghost stories and assigns some incredible art talent to to draw them out, or even like retells of... them with like a wacky food bent. That's fine, totally. but like his like cool plot twists didn't seem sort of as cool as actual Japanese ghost stories. No, not at all. Having just read like a whole bunch of Junji Ito um, short stories, it's just not inventive enough in comparison. Totally. Um, so uh, I got a couple more to burn through. Did you read James Bond, The Body? Oh, I did. This week? I did. Issue five, written by Alice Cott with um, art by Hayden Sherman and colors by Valentino Pinto. Um, as uh, this is basically James Bond uh, chasing after a, a bioterrorist. Um, and uh, it just kind of just, this the whole series has just been about the extent that James Bond will go to to protect his country. Yeah. And the effects that it has on him and others. Yeah, it's starting to get boring now. <laughs> it, it's starting to get a little bit Tom King's Batman. A little bit, a little bit. It's just like I could do with less, um, a, just a tiny little bit less sort of self-searching nar- uh, like narration and just a little bit mm-hmm. more like action and plot. Yes, definitely. Uh, I agree. Um, I, but I very much enjoy uh, the art. We haven't really given him a, a good shout out in the past. Hayden Sherman yeah. doing really, really great art. And there's a brilliant the last few pages of this is uh, James Bond plunges into dark water mm-hmm. where he does like, like very, very simple um, like pencil work. And it, it's really, really effective. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Really good stuff. Great colors on it too by Valentina Pinto. Um, I'm, did you, are you still reading Lucy dreaming yeah. by Max Bemis yeah. and, uh, and Michael Delianis? Yeah. There's like parts of this. I really enjoy it's out through boom studios, but yeah, I think I need to stop reading it cause I don't enjoy it overall. Yeah. Fair enough. It's another, it's just a, a big case of a, of a, of a 12 year, 12 year old girl talking like a 40 year old man. Classic. <laughs> I don't think he's even 40 though. Oh, maybe he is. He's, oh, but like, whatever, he's still writing like one. <laughs> um, final issue of comics that we're going to talk about this week is. Whoa. I can't um, believe you are the reading The final. That. It's the last one ever Good. of uh, this journey into madness that I've been taking uh, as I read every issue of the Archie's. Um, which is an Archie comics uh, about a band that Archie and Veronica and um, the other Reggie, ones. <laughs> Reggie and Jughead. And Betty, Betty plays the triangle or dances. Awful. Yep. Um, and every single issue has a real life musician guesting in it. So this one had 
Speedy Ortiz. I don't know who the fuck that no, is. No, me neither. But she play. She is a guest judge on the Battle of the Bands, in which the Archies lose to Josie and the Pussycats, and then decide that enough is enough and go their separate ways, but then find themselves all in the same room at an open mic that Betty was singing at oh. and decide to have one last jam for themselves. Yep. Boo. Super stupid. Why did I read all this? I don't know. You hate yourself. <laughs> I, guess, I guess I do. This is, this is absolute evidence that I do. Um, and this is absolute evidence that we read too many comics this Agreed. week. But we're done. We reviewed them all. And we will read too many comics next week mm-hmm. and the week after that and the week after that. And you can hear all of those episodes um, at the podcast service that you use right now to listen to this one or you can visit us at seriousissues.tumblr.com to find all the issues there of course all our comics are supplied lovingly by kingscomics.com we have a facebook page which is facebook.com slash serious issues podcast or a group which is facebook.com slash groups slash serious issues podcast siobhan can be found on twitter and instagram at siobhan cbg i'm at levdog l-e-v-d-a-w-g and uh, we can find the show serious underscore underscore issues. If you'd like to support the show, we would love it. If you want to kick a couple bucks, you get a bunch of bonus uh, material uh, slung your way. Some extra bonus episodes. Uh, Patreon.com slash serious issues podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Thanks, guys. Have a wonderful week. And uh, Siobhan, I'll let you sing, sing the outro theme. Um, it's, it is like an hour past my bedtime. It is a quarter past ten. I'm in, oh, I'm you, in go to bed, you go to bed at 9, nine if o'clock? If I possibly can, yes. That's amazing. That's inspiring. Thank you. Well um, done. Not all heroes wear capes. <laughs> Good night, everybody. <laughs>
when it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com.